Colossians 2, 6, and 7 has been our launching post, our launching pad for this entire series. Uh, Hopefully, you're starting to get the rhythm uh, of it in your head. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. We're going to land the plane today in John chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles there, these will be on the screen, these few, few verses, but John chapter 16. It actually begins, this conversation begins a little bit ahead of that, um, because Jesus has just told the disciples who are around him that the world's not going to think very highly of you. The people around you, as a matter of fact, are going to hate you because of me. And then he he gives them some good news, some confusing news, because this is still one of the most, to me, one of the most mind-boggling sections of Scripture in the world. I I just love to have been able to see Peter's face uh, when Jesus says what he says in these verses. But the world's going to hate you. Um, But in chapter 15 and 26, in verse 26, he says, but when the helper, and notice That's a capital H, so he's talking about a Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And now to 16. I have said all these things. They're going to hate you. The Holy Spirit's coming. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may may remember that I told them to you. I, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now... Right, here's where it starts to get a little, right, they have to start wondering what's, what's coming out of Jesus' mouth. Right? But, but because I have said these things, I, nevertheless, I tell you the truth in verse 7. Or verse 5, I'm sorry. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask, where are you going? But because I have said these things, you have, you, your heart is filled with sorrow. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And notice what he does. It starts this list of things that the Holy Spirit is going to do. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus said, this is Jesus' way of saying, I got some more stuff to tell you, but if I'm afraid if I lay it on you right now, your head's going to explode. I got more things to tell you, but it's going to wait. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak from his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Notice what he will do. He will convict. He will lead you into understanding all truth. And he's going to glorify the Father in heaven through the Son. Let's pray before we go any further. Father God, 
you have blown me away. God, I thank you for this morning and for the power of your spirit showing up in one of your children. God, I thank you for the opportunity to sing praises to you that remind us of the truths of what you have accomplished on our behalf, of the sovereign God that you are. God, I pray that our only response to who you are and what you have done is to desire more and more and more of you. And God, today I pray for those of us who have been Christians for decades who sometimes just take things for granted and fall into this routine and sometimes miss the beauty and the power that is all around us. And God, today I pray for those who are just starting their faith journey like our new brother Nathan. And God, I pray that your angels and your church will surround him and lift him up and that your spirit will just grab a hold of him and lead him deeper and deeper into a relationship with you and, and, and to free him more and more from the things that hold him back. And God, this morning... I pray for those who have not yet put their faith in Jesus the Christ, right? that, that, that they will lean into, that they will, they will acknowledge that spirit who is, who is speaking into their life, who is trying to get their attention. And God, I just pray that you would give them the obedience to relent and to give up the fighting uh, and to accept what they can have as a free gift from you. God, this morning, as we, as we dig through this section of Scripture and, and try, to, try to just put a little bit of practical application behind what it means to chase after Jesus and to live by the Spirit as he leads us into glory. And God, may, may our hearts and our heads and our entire bodies be open for what you would have us receive this morning. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Last week, we talked about the question, how do we walk in Christ from Colossians chapter 2? How do we walk in him? How are we rooted and built up in him? How are we established in the faith? And really, we could ask that same set of questions when it comes to the Holy Spirit. How do we walk in the Holy Spirit? How do we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us so that we become more entrenched, more set in stone in, in what Christ has for us? Uh, do I feel it? I mean, does this walking in the Spirit, do I, do, do I feel it? Like, is this, this experience that's just going to shake me? Is, 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 it, is it like uh, just something that's going to rattle the cage and rattle my being? Is it, is it, or is it something that's more subtle, more gentle? Now, don't you wish that the moment you, that you bowed a knee to Jesus Christ, that he would have just shook your cage? There had been flames above your head, that there had been, 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 been fire from heaven, something to get your attention, and from that moment, different life would have been just peachy keen from there on forward? Now, I don't know how your salvation experience in your life since then went, but mine is not like that. I still battle with the sin that is in me, with the desires that are in me, but I hope more. I hope today I look a little bit less like Tony than I did yesterday and a little bit more like my Savior. And I hope that next week I can say the same about this week, that he is constantly molding me. But what does that look like? Because most of the time uh, it's not this, this bold experience. It's a gradual process. Will he use big events? Yeah, we see that in scripture. But walking in the spirit, yielding to the spirit is a gradual day-by-day relationship, decision, encounter. So let's first of all talk about how not to walk in the spirit or how, to, how we should not try to walk in the spirit, right? with a whole lot of withouts, right? Like without God's word, 
without the church family around us, without godly wisdom from trusted brothers and sisters, without, without a, a firm foundation of faith, which we, I hope, if you take nothing else away from this series, that you now know more confidently than ever that faith is not a one-time utterance that I need Jesus. Faith is a, is, is a commitment. It is a, it is a faithfulness to a king. Not just words that come out of our mouth, but a body, a life transformed. So try walking in the Spirit, void of knowing God's will through Scripture, going it alone without the brothers and sisters that God has placed around you, without seeking godly counsel, and without a, a life planted in faith, and see how far you get. You can get yourself in a whole heap of hurt. I've been in um, ministry for for well over two decades, uh, and the number of stories that people come to me claiming that they are being led by God and led by the Spirit, um, and, and then whatever comes after that just makes makes you shake. And I, I'm not always the best, Donna, at hiding my facial expressions right, when somebody says something to me, but I think the Spirit is leading me to do this, and blank, fill in the blank. I think God wants me to happy, be happy. So I think God is leave, leading me, the Spirit is leading me to leave my wife and my kiddos to pursue happiness out here. No! I think that God is leading me uh, to, 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 to spend more time away from my family so I can earn a little bit more money. So I will be out of town more, uh, but I'm going to make more money. It'll be easy. No! Church, the Spirit of God will not lead you where the Word of God does not ground you. You have to know this book. You have to be attached to a, a community of people who are going to say, Tony, you're off your rocker. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard you say. Right, so how do we walk by the Spirit? Well, we, we could talk about this for a long, long time. I'm just going to throw some things at you real quick. And then I'm going to ask you to get the one sheet, either as you leave or on your, on your phone or at compute, your computer at home, and dig into these things a little bit more. How do we walk in the Spirit? One is we dig deeper in the gospel. I'm not talking about the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm meaning the gospel, right? the good news of Jesus Christ, right? the fact that we needed something. Because we, the only thing we've been good at throughout our, consistently good at throughout our history is messing stuff up. We, we, we can try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, tighten up our belt a little bit, try our hardest to live a life, but we cannot do it. We cannot live a life good enough to please our Heavenly Father because He demands perfection. We stepped out of perfection a long, long time ago, and, and we can't get back there. So we needed somebody, and because God loved us so much, He sent a son. He sent a son to come and do what we couldn't do because of what we did do, broke covenant with him. He, he sent a son to live a perfect life, to go to a cross and die for us, to walk out of a borrowed tomb three days later, defeating sin, death, evil forever. And all he says of us, take it, receive it. Right? That is a good, and when you dig down deep into that, when you realize where you stood before the gospel was available to you, where your life would be, where your eternity would be, if the gospel wasn't there for you, it has to change your life. It's going to tap you into the spirit like never before. So the first place, run to the gospel. Run to the gospel. Live in the gospel. Right? Fast, pray in the gospel. The second place is in his word. Go to God's word. The spirit's primary vehicle for moving and speaking in our lives is scripture. 
And we have it with us 24-7 now. Either your Bible is in your car when you go places or it's on your phone wherever you go. Be in God's word. Through the word of God, the spirit conforms us to the image of Christ's character, Romans chapter 8. And he helps us walk in paths of wisdom, Proverbs 2 and multiple other places. And when we are there, we are able to accomplish the will of God. In the gospel, through his word, through you, the church. Right? If you look, the, look at the book of Acts, right, you'll easily lose count of how many times the spirit of God speaks through the people of God. Right? A couple of, of examples. Right? For instance, Acts chapter 13 and verse 2. While the church was worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit spoke through the people of God. God gave the church specific insight into what Barnabas and Saul were supposed to do. And throughout his life, Paul was constantly getting direction from the members of the local church through the body of the local church. And then he'd go and tell Timothy and he'd go and tell Titus all about these things too. And I find nothing in Scripture that says he has nixed that. I've experienced that. The Spirit of God speaking through my faith family. The gospel, the word through the church. What about in our own gifting? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, Paul tells that each of us have been given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Our giftedness, our skills, our abilities, our w- using those are ways that we can interact uh, and, and, and chase the Holy Spirit and allow him to use us. Right? How about in our own spirits? Not the, not the Holy Spirit that resi- resides in us, but in our own spirit. We see throughout Scripture that God guides his people by putting something special, something powerful in their heart. Go read Nehemiah. When Nehemiah was returning to Jerusalem, he didn't hear God audibly say, Nehemiah, go build the temple, be, be, rebuild the walls. No. In Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 12, it simply says that God put it into his heart. When Paul was in Athens in the New Testament, Jesus has been gone for years. When Paul is in in Athens, Luke records that his spirit was provoked within him about the idolatry in in Athens. Um, And he he took this provocation that meant that we were supposed to stay there and to share the message and the gospel there. Later in his ministry, in Romans chapter 15, Paul would identify this holy ambition that God had put in his heart to preach Christ where he had never been preached before. Up until that point in Paul's ministry and the life of the church, the the, the gospel was confined to the people of God. And here, God put this ambition in Paul's heart to go and spread the gospel to the Gentiles and to the end of the earth. Throughout our lives, Maybe at times we've experienced this holy discontent for a person over here or a people over here or a neighbor over there. Maybe that's the spirit trying to get our attention and lead us to do something in those areas, in our spirit. What about in our prayer? Conversation with the God of creation, with the God of your redemption is a major way to tap into the spirit. How often do we read in scripture that... The, the, we just did. After much prayer, worshiping and, and fasting and, and prayer, they made a decision. 
Right? Do you ever notice how, and these, these ones aren't on the screen, we're going, we're going a little bit rogue here, but what about fasting? How often do you read about prayer and fasting? When's the last time we fasted? When we had to make a decision, when we were seeking more of God's direction, more of the Spirit's involvement in our lives? How about missing a meal and instead of feeding our face, feed our spirit right? and just interact with where the Spirit is leading us? What about solitude? You ever notice how often Jesus just got away from people? He was supposed to come to save people. How often was he getting, trying to get away from them? Why? So that he could come back and do the job he was called to do. Right after he was baptized, what happened? Right? He went to the wilderness. He went into solitude. How did he get there? The Spirit took him. Seeking out solitude. In the Old Testament, right, God commanded the Sabbath. Right? God, God had created everything in six days. On the seventh day, he sat back just to admire what he had created, to take a little bit of a break. Then he commands us, you guys are going to forget about me, so every seventh day, stop and look up. Look to me. In the New Testament, we see Jesus not only practicing this, but gifting it to us. Right? It, it was made for you. It was made to draw you closer. Right? So, so, so tap into that. Step into that, that idea of resting. What about your circumstances? Have you ever found yourself wanting to do something and God saying, no, you're not going to do it? Paul experienced that. Right? He wanted to go preach there. God said, no, you're going to preach over there. We're not exactly sure what happened, but somehow God used Paul's circumstances to change his direction. Right? I think Jonah must have uh, been praying a prayer similar to, similar to me. Give me just a two-before experience. Like whack me upside the head with it, God, so I don't miss it. Right? Jonah, he was trying to run away from God. And what did God do? He sent a fish. Swallowed him. Right? Used the circumstances in his life to change his direction. Right? Maybe God is using those things for you. Learning how to walk in the Spirit is a major, major part of your salvation story, your journey. Remember, when we surrendered to Jesus Christ... When we bowed our knee, when we bowed our head, when we raised our arms and cried out, save me, when we surrendered to Jesus Christ, he saved us from the consequences of our sin. We are saved. As we, when we, or when we walk in the spirit, you know what he's doing? He's saving us from the power of sin over us because more and more he's leading us to desire more of what God looks like and what God is doing than what we were doing yesterday or what Satan is trying to get us to do. As we walk with the Spirit, He is saving us from the power of sin over us. We start to look more and more and more like Jesus. And you know the best way to do it? You know the best way to share the gospel with efficiency and effectiveness? The best way to, to live by the Spirit every day, right? With, with, with just like this, this ease and so it's natural, freely? You know the best way to share the gospel is to do it grudgingly? The best way for us to learn to share the gospel freely is to share it grudgingly. Make yourself do it. You have a neighbor that is a great person, but you know that they don't have Jesus Christ. Right? If you love that person truly, you're going to share this with them, even if it hurts you to do it. Even if you're afraid that you're going to trip all over the words. Now, I'm having lunch with, Chris, uh, with Chip Wilson tomorrow, so I'm going to get more of his story. But I know just knowing Chip as well as I do, that, that, that he said, I don't know, several times in those conversations with Nathan. Because it's not the power, it's not the, 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 the polished sharing of the gospel coming from Chip. It's the power of God in that gospel. The best way 
for you to freely share the gospel of Jesus Christ is to make yourself do it. You want to know the best way to share the gospel effectively and fluently and smoothly? Do it terribly. Just go into it and excuse me, moms, don't come and talk to me after, send me an email. Just suck at it. Just just go. Right now, there are ways that, that you, can, you can prepare for that. You can, you can write down, you can write down the, like, what the gospel is and then hand it to a friend. Did I cover everything? Let them give you some feedback. You can, you can write down your salvation story, right? And you can ask somebody, what am I missing? But make sure in your salvation story that you're not focusing on your, your, you. You're focusing on the power of God that saved you. You can get better and better and better at it the more and more and more you do it, but don't be afraid to be terrible at it because, again, it is not your polishness. It is his power. The best way for you to, to conquer the sin that entangles you is not to try to look and see what your life would be free if you were free of that, those chains in, in, somewhere in the distant future. No. The best way for you to conquer the sin that entangles you and to live in the spirit, the freedom that the Spirit gives you is to simply say no one time. So the next time you have your phone in your hand and your thumb starts to go toward that button or you have the mouse in your hand and your, the cursor starts to go towards that button, it's going to lead you to a website that's going to be bad for you and bad for your family and bad, bad for your purity, right? Say no. Don't worry about the next hundred times. In that moment, say no. The next time you, you are tempted to, to join in or start a gossip story, just say no. Just that time. Just that one time. The next time you're tempted to start a rumor or a cheat on your tithing or take that extra drink that you know you shouldn't or raise a, a, a harsh word to a, to a husband, to a wife, to a child, to post something on social media that's dishonoring, to dishonor anybody in your talk, just in that moment, in that time, just one time, say no. Celebrate it. Have a close friend that you can call and say, guess what I just did. You don't have to go stand on the corner of the, biggest, the most busy, um, a busy intersection in Parkersburg and proclaim it to everybody, but share it with somebody. And then you know what? The next time you're faced with that, just do it one more time. That's what Paul's talking about. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, when he's talking about taking every thought captive, in that moment, we can't control down the street. We can't control next week. And when we try to, when we try to plan, like, what, what's this going to look like way out in the future? We're going to fail, fail, fail in the moment, just the next time, one time. The best way to spend more time in God's Word, put it on your calendar. Mike Miller has told this to the men's team for years. If something's important to you, if you want to make sure you do it, put it on your calendar. Maybe you don't have any God time, any Bible time in your, on your calendar right now. Ten minutes. If you've got ten minutes, stretch it. Let's go 15. Let's go 20. Wherever you are right now, expand it a little bit more. Same thing with prayer. If you don't have a regular prayer time, uh, make sure you put one in there. Five minutes. You can do it while you're driving to work with your eyes open and expand it. The best way to engage and benefit from the gift of Sabbath rest, again, is to put it on your calendar. You don't think you can do a day? Do a half hour. 
and stretch it to an hour. Stretch it to a Saturday morning. Stretch it to a day. Rest in nothing but the presence of God. And if you need help with that, I'm still on that journey, but I would love for you to join me on that journey of pursuing Sabbath. Church, our, our goal is to walk in the Spirit, whether that's breaking the power of sin that entangles us, sharing the gospel that frees us, learning more about the God who created you, conversing with a Father who loves you, enjoying the presence of the Lord who gave everything to save you. The best way to start is just to do it grudgingly, poorly, smallly, just do it one time, and then another, and then another, and see what God will do with that small obedience. And that's yielding to the Spirit. That's learning to walk in the Spirit. That's the process of looking more and more like Jesus. The process of lessening sin's power on us, that's sanctification. That's that $5 church word. That's sanctification. That's being transformed into the image of God. That's a journey that we're to continue in on until Jesus calls us home individually or till we feel the earth shake and the heaven, see the heavens open and the trumpets blaring and seeing the groom coming to get his bride. That's a journey that will happen when we follow the Spirit into glory. And when we walk into the presence of God, that is where we will experience glorification. Not only... <laughs> Not only is the sin no longer have consequences to you, not only does sin not have power over you, but in glory, when we experience glorification by being in the presence of our Father, no longer will there be such a thing as sin. Gone. Moms and dads, isn't that the world you want your kiddos to live for eternity in? Husbands, your wives, wives, your husbands, grandparents, grandkiddos, not even the presence of sin. When we walk into the presence of God, we are saved from the very presence of sin. Just to review real quickly, we are saved from the penalty of our sin, justification in the past. We are being saved from the power of sin, sanctification right now. And we will be saved from the very presence of sin in the future. That's glorification. We have been saved. We are being saved. We will be saved. Today, I want you to take an honest look. Right, deep inside of you. Not the person whose head you've been staring at for the last hour. Not the person that you rode here with. You. Look deep into yourself. Who is leading you? Is it culture? Is it you? Or is it the Spirit of God? Does your life today as a believer, if you are a believer, look different today than it did yesterday or last week or last month? Or have you not been transformed by the power of the gospel? Do your actions look less, like, like less to, to self and more to what you can do for others? Are your thoughts more about what benefits me or what benefits God? Is your worship more about fill me up or lift Jesus up? Is, is, your, is your alone time more about my likes and what I want to read? Or is it, about, is it about seeking more time with God? Do you use the Bible as a handbook, flipping through whenever you just need to answer to a question, which isn't bad, but it's incomplete? Or are you, just, are you spending time in God's word? 
to learn more and experience more of him? Is your prayer time, give me, give me, give me? Or are you being quiet long enough to listen for God speaking into your life? When you look at others, are you asking more about how you can serve me? Or are you thinking more about how I can take care of you? When you're thinking of others and developing friendships with them, are you, so, so, are you just so engrossed that you're focusing only on the next month? Or if God blesses us with enough time, the next 15, 20, 30, 45 years of that relationship that will eventually come to an end? Or are you building relationships that will last for eternity? Church, our goal is not merely the saving of souls, but the glorification of our God, lifting him high. And as we do that, by relenting to the Spirit, through the gospel, through his word, through prayer, through the church, through our giftedness, through our circumstances, through all of those things, as we cling to the Spirit, and as we, along the way of walking with him, others are going to see that. Some may point a finger and laugh, but we're reminded over and over and over in Scripture that they're going to see your good works. They're going to see the way you are living. And they're going to, it's going to, at the, at, the, at the least, provoke questions. But we see over and over in Scripture that they saw your way of living and gave glory to the Father in heaven. Not just an acknowledgement that says, yeah, you're up there, I don't care. But they gave glory and honor. They were pulled into the same saving relationship that you were pulled into through the Spirit. We have been saved, church, from the consequences of our sin. And we should say thank God for that every day he gives us breath. We are being saved right now in this moment from the power of sin over us. And again, thank you, Jesus, for that. One day we will be saved from the very presence of sin. But until that time, we must be diligent about our attaching ourselves to the spirit that Jesus said is better for you than he would than his presence would be